Good morning, New Province Church. Want to stand with us and worship together? Can wash away my sins. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Cause the blood of Jesus is enough for me. Oh, the blood of Jesus is enough. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Cause the blood of Jesus is enough for me. Oh, the blood of Jesus is enough. Cause the blood of Jesus is enough for me. Oh, the blood of Jesus is Praise Thee. You're the only answer to the darkness. You're the only right among the wrong. You're the only hope among the chaos. You are the voice that calls me on. 
Louder than every lie, my sword in every fight, the truth will chase away the night. Your name is power over darkness, freedom for the captives, mercy for the broken and the hopeless. Your name is faithful in the battle, glory in the struggle. Mighty, it won't let us down or fail us. Your name is power. I know it is written, hope is certain. I know that the word will never fail. I know that in every situation you speak the power to prevail louder than every lie my sword in every fight the truth will chase away the night your name is power over darkness freedom for the captives mercy for the broken and the hopeless your name is faithful in the battle glory in the struggle mighty it won't let us down or fail us your name is power When you speak, your scattered darkness, light arrives and heaven opens. Holy Spirit, let us hear it. When you speak, the church awakens. We believe the change is coming. Holy Spirit, let us see it. When you speak, your scattered darkness, light arrives and heaven opens. Holy Spirit, let us hear it. When you speak, the church awakens. We believe the change is coming. Holy Spirit, oh, let us see it. Your name is power over darkness. Freedom for the captives. Mercy for the broken and the hopeless. Your name is faithful in the battle, glory in the struggle. Mighty, it won't let us down or fail us. Your name is power over darkness. Your name is power in the chaos. Your name is power. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord Most High. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you, our Christ. 
beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. Oh, what could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus, what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. Jesus, we just praise your name today, Lord. We just praise it up high. Oh, Jesus, nothing can stand against you. Death won't prevail. Jesus, you are the king. Let's just sing this together. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no rival, you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. name it is the name of Jesus Christ my King what a powerful name it is 
nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is the name of jesus what a powerful name it is the name of jesus what a powerful name it is the name of jesus jesus worthy is your name god holy is your name we praise your name today lord
This morning we want to say, yeah, absolutely. Give, give a round of applause for your veterans. Do we have any veterans here this morning? If, if you are, please stand up. We would love to honor you, or we want to recognize you, uh, and we want to just thank you for your service. Yes, yes, thank you. Everybody give a round of applause. Thank you so much. I, great, I, I know as someone who is, who is not served myself, uh, I, I owe a debt of gratitude to everyone who has, and thank you so much for your safe for keeping us safe uh, and all that you continue to do uh, in our communities. Uh, please join me as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the brave men and women who ha have decided to step forward uh, and, and serve our country. Lord, thank you for giving them a servant's heart. Thank you for instilling in them uh, the things that you needed to instill in them so that they could go and fight for our country uh, and fight for us. Lord, we thank you for them, and Lord, we, 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 we pray that uh, your continued blessing upon them and the military around us, and Lord, we pray for a hedge of protection around the United States military. Uh, Lord, they're all over the world right now. Lord, I, I pray a special hedge of protection around them. Uh, bring them home safe. And Lord, for those of the families who, who didn't come home safe, uh, Lord, thank you for their service. Lord, bless and honor them, those who have been left behind. Comfort them as only you can. Lord, we thank you this morning and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again. Let's have another round of applause for our veterans. This past weekend, uh, the Fusion Youth Group, uh, we went down to uh, Canton, to Malone University, uh, for a uh, youth explosion. Uh, it's something that we go to pretty much every year. And this year we took 13 students down with us. Uh, and we had a little bit of a, an accident on our way the second day, yesterday morning, uh, where one of our vehicles uh, was involved in a collision. Uh, I know a lot of you have seen, heard, and been praying for us. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, there are only minor injuries, thankfully. Uh, it could have been a lot worse. So we just thank you for your prayers, your continued support. Uh, we ended up uh, finishing out Youth Explosion, and it was an amazing, amazing weekend. And God is truly on the throne and uh, over protection. But we ask for continued prayers uh, as, as one of our leaders is uh, still, still dealing with some of the, the impact from the the cause, but no broken bones, thankfully, no blood. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> sorry. So thank you again. Uh, we greatly appreciate everyone who was involved in helping this past weekend. We saw some lives changed, uh, and it was, it was a very amazing uh, weekend. Uh, this morning, uh, as Pastor Roy comes up, if you would please turn to Ephesians 6 uh, as we continue our, or we finish out our series, The Power of Unity. Good job. Good job. All righty. Good morning, everybody. All righty. I would like you all to give a round of applause, hold off for a second, to Pastor Nick for, you weren't there, but trust me, for his excellent handling of that accident that happened yesterday. Uh, him and Britt were on the phone to me right away. Uh, they kept me updated because we, we go over this before they go away. We go over the just-in-case and they did an awesome job yesterday, and it is very traumatic uh, what happened, even on Pastor Nick and everything. Uh, somebody's cars, two cars are totaled. Uh, there are no uh, long-term injuries. 
Uh, there was no shattered glass. There are no broken bones. Everybody involved in the accident was taken to the hospital and assessed. Um, but what remains is the trauma, because anytime you're involved in a um, medium, you know, normal road speed accident where one car T-bones another car, one, the other car ran the red light and our car drove right into it, um, that is very traumatic. And I'm sure there are nightmares and things like that. So uh, we are going to pray for them uh, and everything right behind this. So, but I would like you to give Pastor Nick a round of applause for an outstanding job taking care of our kids. You did good. You did good. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your angels that you commission at a moment's notice. We thank you, Father, for the way the cars are engineered and the way the airbags deploy and, and the way everything happened, Lord. We thank you for taking care of our kids and protecting our kids. We thank you for protecting the other driver as well, Lord Jesus. And we pray for the speed of, of the healing, Father, um, not just physically, because there are bumps and bruises and everything, Lord. But, Father, we thank you there's no broken bones, there, there is no blood loss, there's nothing like that. Father, we thank you for doctors, nurses, medical tech that can check all of those things out. But, Lord, you are the one who can heal the soul. You are the one who can heal the, heal the mind and heal the emotions um, from nightmares and, and, and traumatic events like accidents like this can be, uh, not just on the drivers, but on the passengers as well. And so, Father, as uh, they are at home recuperating today, Lord, we just ask you that as your, your praise goes up, your word goes out, that your power would come down in the lives of your people this morning, Father, in the lives of teenagers, in the lives of uh, one of the adult drivers, Lord, and, and both the adult drivers, even the, the driver of the other car, Father, that you would be with everybody involved and that you would cause healing to happen in the mind and in the emotions of people so that they would not have nightmares, Lord, and they would not be afraid of driving or anything else uh, like that, Lord. And I just thank you uh, that you are with us always and everywhere, and we, we live under the protection of your wings. It doesn't mean bad things won't happen to good people, but it means you are there to take care of us through the storms of life. And we thank you for that, Father. Bless Pastor Nick and Brittany, Lord Jesus, um, and thank you for their leadership uh, through this traumatic incident as well. And now, Father, as we turn our eyes towards your word, our hearts go towards home, and we ask you again, Lord, to give us ears to hear our God who speaks to us this morning. Anoint my lips to preach, our ears to hear, our minds to understand, our hearts to receive everything that you have for us this, this morning as we wrap up this study in your letter to the Ephesians about the power of unity. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen and amen. And by the way, veterans, thank you for, for me. Um, I'll be doing what Pastor Nick did in the second service, but I wanted to definitely say thank you as well uh, for your service to our country and for your sacrifice. And I just also want to get my dad in there because my dad was a Korean War veteran as well. And so on Veterans Day, which was this last Thursday, um, it's always a, a special time when you get to remember your dad and, and post pictures of him if you saw him on Facebook. Um, if you ever wonder what my dad looks like, just go on my Facebook page because uh, I've got a, a picture of him, what he looked like in the 
the Korean War where I kind of think he looked like a young Clint Eastwood and, and what he looked like when he was getting ready to retire as lieutenant with the East Grand Rapids Police Department. So anyway, God bless you all. Take your Bibles, as Pastor Nick said, and open them to Ephesians chapter 6. If you're visiting with us this morning, good morning. I'm so glad that you have chosen to worship our Lord Jesus Christ here at New Promise Church. We're wrapping up our series called The Power of Unity as we've been going for seven weeks through the book of Ephesians, looking at um, how we are united into and through Jesus Christ to the people around us and the power that that generates kind of we talked about it like an electrical current an electrical circuit that goes from God and his Holy Spirit in us and through us like conduits of each other to Christian to Christian giving power and strength to the church and we've spent weeks looking at how we promote and preserve the power of unity in our marriages in our families in the church that would be chapters 5 chapters 4 going back into chapter Chapter 3, how the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace is the most important power grid, if you will, that we should pre promote, preserve, and today we're going to talk about how to protect it. Today, as we wrap up this series, we're going to look at how do you protect the power grid. And God's going to give us a better picture, of, a better perspective of the bigger picture as we wrap up here in chapters 6. Because the, the power of our unity in our own lives between us and Jesus, in the lives of our marriages and in our families and in our churches, can come and does come under attack from time to time. And how many of you understand that most people, when you come under attack, your instinct is to attack? Right? I, I love that, that scene in the Avengers movie, the first Avengers movie, where they're getting ready to jump out of the airplane and Captain America tells Iron Man, wait a second, we have to have a plan of attack. And Iron Man says, I have a plan of attack. It's attack. And how many people know that that's what life feels like? When you come under attack, you want to attack, right? But you got to fight the right fights in the right places against the right people. Because if you fight the wrong fights in the wrong places against the wrong people, you'll be doing the devil's dirty work instead of fighting the devil. And so chapter 6, verse 12, we've gone here many times over this series, that our battles are not against each other. They're not against flesh and blood, but they're against evil principalities and forces in spiritual places or in the heavenly realms. And that goes along really well with what it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are powerful. They have divine power for the demolishing of the enemy's strongholds that Satan tries to establish from time to time in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our churches, in our communities, in our companies, and in our country. Just look at how life has been going these last few years in the United States. You don't think Satan's trying to establish a foothold? You don't think he's trying to divide and conquer in our country, in our communities, in our companies, in our marriages, in our families, in our churches, in your life? Church, we are under attack, spiritual attack, but our, our battles are not against each other. Satan wants us to get fighting with each other in our marriages, in our families, in our lives, in our countries, companies, communities, and churches. But our battles, Scripture says, God says, our battles aren't against each other. They're against evil principalities and powers in spiritual places. And the weapons that we fight with aren't carnal weapons. 
They're, they're not words that, that fly around, that wound like swords, how Proverbs chapter 12 talks about. They're not fists that hit people's faces or anything like that. No, God says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are powerful. They are divinely powerful for the demolishing and the tearing down of the enemy's strongholds. So when we're attacked, we attack, but we fight the fight God's way. We fight the fight the right way against the right enemy in the right places in the right ways. If the book of Ephesians is, is another time, another place where God is giving us a better perspective of a bigger picture. In this case, the bigger picture of unity and the power of unity. And as we wrap it up here in chapter 6 about how to protect the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace against the spiritual battles that we fight from time to time against evil principalities and powers in the heavenly realms or in the spiritual places. And so it's in chapter 6 around verse 10 that, that, that the Holy Spirit through Paul is doing this kind of wrap-up, and he starts this section with the word, finally. Now, finally in Greek is the Greek word telika, which means ultimately, or finally, or in summation, or the culmination of everything we've been talking about comes to where we are right now in the book of Ephesians. It says, finally, be strong. In culmination of everything else I've just said, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. It reminds me a lot about what the Holy Spirit said to Joshua and Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament about being strong in the Lord, being confident, being courageous, being bold, being assertive, being aggressive, not shrinking back in fear, but running forward in faith to fight the fights that are worth fighting, to fight the fights you have to fight, to fight the fights in the right places to fight, and to win the battles that are in front of you. Remember how God told Jehoshaphat, I want you to do this, and I want you to fight the battle this way, and I want you to remember that the battle isn't yours alone. The battle belongs to the Lord. How many people can see that? Okay. We need to clean up there, I think, a little bit more or something. <laughs> okay. I'm preaching so hard, dust is flying already. Okay, so God says, I want you to finally, the culmination of all of this, I want you to be strong in the Lord. I want you to fight. I want you to win. This section right here from 10 to 18 is what we're going to read in just a few minutes. Reminds me very much like a football coach who gives a pep rally speech to his team in the locker room just before the game. I miss those days. I love those days. I had some awesome coaches. Man, they could fire us up or we would fire each other up. We'd be like a pack of hungry wolves. We were busting out of that door to get out there and to tear that other team's head off. We really were. It was a ton of fun to play football that way because we were going out there. We were right and tight to fight and we were ready to go. That's what this section of Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 reminds me of. Or a commander giving the battle plans to his troops. Now, now we're going to go out there, we're going to fight, we're going to win, and we're going to fight and we're going to win if you fight the way I'm telling you how to fight, right? Maybe it's like the troops who are on those transports coming off the ships onto the beaches of Normandy, and their commanders were giving them last-minute instructions. This is how you're going to storm the beaches. This is how you're going to take those white cliffs of Dover. This is how we're going to win this battle. 
Now, in verse 11, I just want to, before we read it, I want to give you some, some words here so that when we do read it, certain things are going through your mind. In verse 11, we're going to read how the Holy Spirit through Paul uses a metaphor, a military metaphor. He says, I want you to put on the full armor of God. Now, that would have instantly uh, clicked with the Ephesian Christians because the Roman, the Roman Empire was ruling the whole empire in the day, and so there were Roman soldiers all over the place, and they would have instantly read that to underscore the importance of the spiritual battle that they were facing, and they would be, it would naturally illustrate in front of them by seeing the Roman soldiers, the battle gear that they would wear, their uniform that they would wear. As, as we read through the uniform and the battle gear that God has given us, it is very similar to that which the Roman army and the Roman soldiers wore. And, 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 and they would actually wear it home. They wouldn't go back to the barracks, take their battle gear off, and then walk home in their civilian clothes. They would take their battle gear with them to their homes. Why? For their protection, for their defense, and so they could be ready in a moment's notice. In a moment's notice, if the battle came, if they heard a certain horn or whatever, they would come charging out of their homes, and they would have their battle gear on, and they would be ready to go and defend the Roman Empire wherever they were at. The same is true with Christians. We are identified by our battle gear. We are empowered by our battle gear. We are equipped by our battle gear. Our, our unanimity, our solidarity is identified by our uniformity so to speak. In other words, we all wear the same battle gear. We are all very well equipped by God to fight the fights that are happening in the heavenly realms and to win. And like the Roman soldier, as Christians, we don't take the battle gear off. Now I know how we used to say it in children's church. We would, I forgot how the song goes, but it was that little song about every day you got to get up and you got to put the helmet of salvation arm and take up the shield of faith and put on the breastplate and buckle it around with the truth of belt, the belt of truth and everything, right? Unlike the way we used to sing it in children's church to children to teach them these things, very much like the Roman soldiers, we never take it off. We always have on the helmet of salvation. We always are wearing the belt of truth. We are always wearing the breastplate of righteousness. This is the Holy Spirit through Paul drawing their attention to the importance of that which God has already given them so that they can be right and tight to fight and they can be right and tight to win the battle in the heavenly realms. Not against each other, but against Satan, against evil principalities and powers in spiritual places. And so like the Roman soldiers, Christians today, we always have the armor of God on in our lives for our defense, for our offense, and so we are ready to fight the battles as the battles arise in the heavenly realms. And there's one more word that I want to draw your attention to, and that's in verse 13, and that's the word therefore. Therefore is kind of like the word finally. It's similar to it. it. Therefore is just like, I'm going to reiterate in summation and expand what I just said to you. I'm going to say it again, but kind of this is why I said what I just said. That's what the word therefore is therefore. It is to explain to us one more time, kind of like 
I just said this, and I just said this, therefore, I'm saying this. Therefore, because I just said that. It's a little bit, one more way of reiterating and re-expanding what the Holy Spirit through Paul just said. All right, okay, let's read it now that we got these three things. Finally, the military metaphor, and therefore, as we're keyed up with it, take your Bibles. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18, uh, 10 to 18. If you don't have your Bibles, the words are already up on the screen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of darkness, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Do you know what this is telling us? This is God telling us we can win. This is God telling us we can do it. This is God telling us that we are fully equipped and fully armed and we are right and tight and ready to fight the spiritual battles that rage in the heavenly realms, and that we not only can fight them, we can win them if we will fight them, and, and if we will fight them God's way, and not our own way, but if we will fight them God's way. If we'll fight against not each other, not against humanity, but against the enemy of humanity. The enemy of humanity in our own lives, in our marriages, in our families, in churches. I love that line in there that says, and when you've done everything you can to stand, stand. That's a firm, absolute statement. That's a failure is not an option type of way of saying something. When you've done everything you can to do to stand, then you just stand. You like The Rock. How many people remember Dwayne Johnson in The Rock from wrestling back in the 90s and the early 2000s? He would just stand in the, in, in the ring and he'd say, just bring it. Bring it. That's what I picture here, what God is telling his church. When you've done everything you can do to stand, then you just stand. And you look at Satan in the eye and you say, bring it. There's no way you can't win. There's no way I can lose. Bring it. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to hit you three ways, hard, fast, and continuously. I'm going to win this battle because my God is the Lord Jesus Christ, and I am one of his soldiers, and I am fully armed and fully equipped and fully trained and fully able to defeat you in this battle and in any battle. I am unafraid of you. I am assertive, I am aggressive, and I will run at you like David ran at Goliath. When you have done everything you can do to stand, church, stand. And do not take failure as a even a possible option. But when you stand, you have to remember that you stand together in the heavenly realms. You don't stand by yourself. The Roman army never fought battles one man at a time. They never sent anybody out alone. They always sent at least four or up to 16 troops together to take care of any skirmish to fight any battle. A Roman soldier never fought alone. Christians never fight alone. We stand in battle together like a Roman garrison 
arm to arm, shoulder to shoulder, chest to chest, shield of faith, sword of the Spirit, helmet of salvation. Here we go. We're going into battle, and we are going to win. We are going to protect the power grid. We're going to protect the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace in my life, in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our churches, in our relationships, in our communities, and in our countries. And we will fight this fight in the heavenly realms. Oh, now there you go. There you go. There's a tripping point for a lot of us in the heavenly realms. We want to fight this fight in the earthly realms. We want to fight this fight by sight and not by faith. We fight the wrong fights in the wrong places and we'll never win the battles. We can only fight these fights and we can only win these battles in the heavenly realms because that's where they are. They're in the heavenly realms. They're not earthly, they're not carnal, they're spiritual, they're heavenly. We don't battle against each other, flesh and blood. We battle against even principalities and powers in spiritual places or the heavenly realms. That's often how Christians lose the battle. We lose sight of where the fight is. We lose sight of where we're standing. We think we're just standing in the three-dimensional realm. We forget we're standing in the spiritual places too. We're standing in the heavenly realms, the spiritual realms. We think we're just standing in the three-dimensional realm. Why? Because we get distracted by what we see. We get distracted by the three-dimensional realm. And then we start living by sight and not by faith. You know, I had a conversation with, with somebody a while ago. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Pastor Nick. And we were talking about how opposite God is to humanity. I mean, God is so opposite of us. It makes you wonder, is God upside down or are we the ones that are upside down? You see, I think because we lose sight of where we're standing, we don't realize we're standing in spiritual places. We think we're just standing in the 3D. We're actually standing in heavenly realms as well. And, and I think sometimes when we lose sight of where we're standing, that's when we fail to make a stand and keep a stand. Because we're not mindful of the fact that we don't just live in the three-dimensional world. We have ties to, we have power, we have influence into the fourth dimension, into the spirit realm, the heavenly realm. It's not that God's upside down. I think oftentimes it's that we're upside down. We live by sight, and we forget to live by faith. We have our eyes solely at the horizon of our own humanity, looking at each other, instead of having our eyes up just a little bit higher than the horizon of humanity to see life from God's heavenly perspective in the heavenly realms. We fight the wrong fights in the wrong places against the wrong people because we're not thinking of the heavenly realms. You know, there's a, a movie that I don't particularly like, but for some reason it works in, in my imagination and illustration for this, and that is the Matrix movies. I don't know if you've ever saw the Matrix movies or not. I don't particularly like them. They're a little freaky, weird, gross and everything. But what they do talk about is they talk about there's a greater reality in, in, in a higher realm of living, albeit it was invented by robots and computers and everything, and that's where the train goes off the tracks. But there, the idea is that there is a higher reality and a different realm, a greater realm, than just the normal earthly realm that most of us think we're living in every day of our lives. It makes me wonder how many, how many Christians are aware of a greater reality and a higher realm every day of our lives. Are you aware that there is a greater reality than the three-dimensional world that we live in? 
Are you aware of the fact that there is a higher reality? It's called the heavenly realms than just the three-dimensional earthly realms that we live in. What I want to do for the remainder of this message is I want to look at the power and the influence of our heavenly uniform and our armor, our battle gear, and the influence and the power that you can have every day of your life in the heavenly realms if we will simply be mindful to fight the right fights against the right people in the right places. Our battles are not against each other. They're not against flesh and blood. They're against evil principalities and powers in spiritual places. And God has given us the weaponry and the equipment that we need to not just fight these battles, but to win them. And it starts with a belt of truth buckled around our waist. It distinguishes all of the lies of Satan and sin that are out there in the world, the belt of truth. Pilate asked Jesus, when Jesus was standing on trial in front of Pilate, as a part of God's salvation plan, Pilate said, what is truth? And I always think to myself, Jesus could have quoted out of Deuteronomy 32, and he could have said, well, God is truth. Or he could have gone to Psalms 119, verse 160, and where it says, God's word is truth. Or he could have gone to John 16, 13, where it says, God's spirit is truth. He could have quoted himself from John 14, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Or he could have gone to John chapter 8 where he said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, truth is factual reality. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there are not alternative realities. There's only one reality. It's God's reality. And I know people like to talk about, I know my own truth. I know my own truth. People don't have their own truth. There's one truth, there's one reality, and they both belong to God. Everybody else is just playing in fiction. God's the only one that's living in the truth of reality. And it is his word that is truth that reveals to us on a continual basis the facts of our faith. That if you haven't noticed, are proven true and accurate, factual and actual in the areas of science, nature, archaeology, and human history. I love it when science catches up to what God already knows and what God's already said. We started going through that last Wednesday night in my uh, Wednesday night small group as we're studying the first eight chapters of Genesis called Understanding the Beginnings. Understanding the beginnings of things. And we looked at what light really is from a scientific and scriptural perspective. It was really cool. It kind of blew our minds and everything. But see, that's, that's, that's how important the Bible is in our lives because it reveals to us the realities, God's realities of things. Things that either are, things how they should be, or things how they will be as history unfolds across the eschatons of time. Now, in John chapter 8, Jesus didn't, listen to this, listen to what Jesus said and he didn't say. In John chapter 8, Jesus did not say, the truth will set you free. You go back to John chapter 8 and you will see that he said, knowing the truth will set you free. If you don't know the truth, you cannot live in freedom. It makes me wonder how many Christians today are living in the true reality of God's reality. How many Christians today know the truth of God's reality in their lives and know how that godly reality, the godly truth, can revolutionize and change their lives? Have I ever told you a story about a man named Jed? 
He was a poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. One day he was shooting at some food. Up through the ground came bubbling crude. Oil, that is. Black gold, Texas tea. See, the thing is, for decades and generations, the Clampett family were sitting on that oil. That oil was always there. But it wasn't until they knew the oil was there that it changed their lives. Then one day, Ella Mayer Jethro said, Uncle Jed, California is the place we ought to be. So they loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly. Hills, that is, with swimming pools and movie stars. How many people grew up watching that show? Isn't that fun? See, it wasn't until the Clampets knew the oil was there that it changed their lives. But once they knew the truth of the oil being there, they got rich. They got powerful. They got influential. They kept, thankfully, their... Their, their charm and their integrity of their character and their decency and honesty and everything. But it really benefited their life once they knew the truth of what was right there all along, right under their feet. It always seems like prisoners and slaves are the last people to find out things. Do you know that the Emancipation Proclamation was signed by President Lincoln in 1863, in January of 1863? But it wasn't until June of 1865 that the last slaves in Texas were set free. I forget what island it was on Japan, but the war had been over for a while before prisoners of war who were kept in those little bamboo um, uh, cells were released, and it had been like two weeks since the war had been over or something, and the, the Japanese soldiers just left the camp and everything, but they left them in their cells, and it wasn't until American troops found them and opened the cells and told them, the war's over, we won. You're now free to go. You see, it wasn't until they knew they were free that they were free. It wasn't until the Clampets knew what was right there all along, the reality, the truth of knowing what was there all along, that's when it changed their lives. You see, it's living in the factual reality of God in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our churches, in our countries and companies and communities. It's living in the factual realities of God. That's what sets us free to be everything that God has created us to be. Once you learned the truth of God in your life, that's when your life changed. That's when you became born again, concurrently, by the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden in a confluence of spiritual things that were happening, not just in the earthly realm, but also in the spiritual realm. You were set free from sin, and you realized the enormity of the power that God was giving you in your life to change your life radically and forever. Once you knew the truth of God, then you were set free. I just wonder how many Christians still don't know the, the truth of God in their life to be everything that God has created them to be. Maybe that's you this morning. You need more reality of God in your life. You need to know more about what God has for you in life that's already there. He's already put it in you. His Holy Spirit isn't just with you. His Holy Spirit is within you to cause you to prosper in life even as your soul prospers in Him. To make you bigger, badder, bolder, and better together with other Christians than any Satan or demon vomited out of hell. 
once we know it's there, that's the truth that sets us free. And we get that from Jesus, who is our righteousness with God. And, and we, it's as if we wear the righteousness that we have with God through Jesus like a breastplate upon us, over our chest, over our hearts, just like the Roman soldiers had breastplates. We have a breastplate of righteousness. It's called Jesus and our feet are fitted and readied and shod, or we wear the gospel of peace, with which we run with confidence and courage and absolute security and certainty, knowing that we have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we go to other people and we say, you can have this peace too. That's what the gospel is. It's a gospel of peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. But what I really want to focus on for the remainder of this morning is the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. The shield of faith. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that faith comes, or no, it doesn't say that. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not things not yet seen. It's Romans 10 that tells us it comes by hearing the Word of God. So Faith in God, listen to this, is believing God will based on what his words already said in our lives. Faith is believing God will based on what God has already said, which means faith is taking God at his word and trusting him with our lives, situations, and circumstances that happen from time to time or a lot of times in our lives. Now here's the thing. If we don't take God at his word, and trust him with our lives, if we don't use the shield of faith, which is to take God at his word and trust him with our lives, then we will be afraid of every flaming arrow that Satan will ever shoot at us in our minds, in our imaginations, and in our emotions. We will be forever ducking and covering under every couch we can find instead of taking the beaches of Normandy the way God has created us to do and to be. We will live by fear instead of by faith if we do not use the shield of faith. That is why... Honestly, I pray the way I pray. I don't pray fearful prayers. I pray faith-filled prayers because that's how you win. And I like to win. And when we take the shield of faith that says, I take God at his word. I trust him with my life. It is that shield of faith that defeats all of the flaming arrows that Satan could ever throw at me and ever shoot at me. But if I ever put my shield of faith down, if I ever stop taking God at his word and trusting him with that part of my life, that's where Satan's going to target. That's where he's going to hit. And that's what we're going to be afraid of. It's going to hit us like a flaming arrow right in our minds, right in our imaginations, and right in our emotions. We're going to be scared to death, and that's exactly how Satan wants us. See, Satan attacks us in our minds, which brings me to the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is that which protects and guides and it guards our minds the way we think. In other words, we know that we're saved. We remember that we're saved. We remember that we're on God's side because God came on our side to bring us on to his side. And we know that we are united with God through Jesus Christ. That's what salvation reminds us of. Salvation reminds us of that we are winners and not whiners. We are saved by God, and Satan can never change that. And so that makes us bold and confident and courageous. The Holy Spirit says that we have, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says we have the mind of Christ— 
And then 2 Corinthians 10 admonishes us, so therefore to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. That means that we can think the way Jesus thinks. Jesus is never afraid. Jesus never loses. Jesus thinks like a winner. That's why he's not a whiner. And we can think that way too. We can think with the mind of Christ in every situation and in every circumstance because we're on God's side, because God's on our side. That's what the helmet of salvation reminds us of. It reminds us to guard and guide and protect the way we think so we can think with the mind of Christ. We take captive every thought, every fear, every emotion, and we make it obedient to Christ Jesus. Satan whispers to us, shoots a flaming arrow, you can't win. We just grab the thing, break it across our knee, and look at him and smile and say, I can't lose. Because Jesus is on my side. Because I am on Jesus' side, and greater is his Holy Spirit in me than you or anything else that's in this world. I've got on the helmet of salvation. It protects the way I think. I did that one time before where I really hit myself in the head like that, and I never made it through the second service. But anyway... So the helmet of salvation, to take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ Jesus, uh, guards, guides, empowers our thoughts, attitudes, and actions in the spiritual battles against Satan in the heavenly realm. So it's literally going, what would Jesus do? That's how you want to think. You, to get you to think like Jesus, start off with, what would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus do? You know what Jesus would do in spiritual battles? He'd pick up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, he'd run Satan through, and he'd run him off with it. Because that's exactly what Jesus did in that war of words and that duel in the desert in Luke chapter 4. Where right after his baptism, the Holy Spirit led him out into the desert to be tempted and tested of the devil. And three times Satan lied to him. Three times Satan attacked him. And three times Jesus won. Jesus won by saying, it is written. He took the sword of the Spirit, the word of the God, and he said, it is written right here. Man shall not live by bread alone. It is written, I win, you lose. T'was ever thus. He ran him through, and he ran him off. And it says Satan left him until he could return for another opportune time. And it's here in Ephesians six seventeen that says, this is what our weapon of our warfare is. This is the sword of the Spirit. This is the Word of God. That Psalms 119, verse 116 says it's truth. It's factual reality. It never comes back void, and it always accomplishes God's purposes. When we use it in our hands, it makes us bigger, badder, bolder, and better together than any Satan puked out of hell. We win going away every time when we use God's word. Here's why we lose. Because far too often Christians use their own words and not God's words. And our words aren't even a little pocket switchblade compared to the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. See, when we come at Satan with our words and we don't use God's words, Satan's got us right where he wants us. Because our words are nothing. But God's word is an unstoppable force and an unmovable object. God's word is absolute divine authority, power, and truth, factual reality that never comes back void and always accomplishes the purpose for that which God has spoken it. So if we want to be powerful people, in our lives, marriages, families, churches, country, countries, companies, and communities. We need to stop using our own words so much, and we need to start using God's word more often. 
into these relationships, and especially when we're in the private places of prayer. Because it's in those private places of prayer that we are proclaiming our faith and our trust in God's Word. And that leads me to the last point in verse 18. The Holy Spirit through Paul said, after you've taken up the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, then pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions simply means this. Be in constant communication, conscious communication and communion with God through His Holy Spirit who's already within you. In other words, always have a consciousness of God in your life and a communication with God in your life. It's all right to talk out loud if you're talking to God. If people say, well, there's nobody else in the room but you, nah, you're standing there with God. God's right there with you. His Holy Spirit is within you. Always be in an attitude of constant communication and constant uh, conscious communion with God. And secondly, within that, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Prayer is simply to proclaim our faith in what God says about anything. Somebody asked me one time, well, what's the point of prayer if prayer is not telling God that which he already knows? I say prayer is our proclamation of our faith and trust in what we know God has already said about whatever we're talking about. Well, how can you know that? Get to know your sword better. Start using your sword more often. Look how sleek and crisp and sharp it is and how it cuts either way that it goes. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is how we know how to pray. Because I don't pray, honestly, I just, I don't pray that much in my own words. I will throw God's Word back at Him a lot when I pray, especially when I'm praying for other people. Why? You'll hear me say, maybe I prayed with you this way, where I'll say, Lord, you said in your Word that... You are Jehovah Rophe, the Lord who heals us. So I simply take you at your word, and I trust you with their life, Father, to be who you are and do what you do and cause healing to happen in their lives, in their bodies. That's how I pray. I throw God's word back. It sounds bad to say it. I'm not going to say it back in his face. I throw God's word back at him because I'm simply taking him at his word, and I'm trusting him with my life or with your life if I'm praying for you. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Knowing that our battles are not against each other. Our battles are against evil principalities and powers in spiritual places. And if we will raise our voice in prayer with God's words coming off our lips, and if we will run at Satan in the heavenly realms with the sword of the Spirit, the word of God, that's how we run Satan off in our lives. That's how we run Satan off of our marriages. That's how we run Satan off of our families. That's how we run Satan out of our churches. It's not with our words warring against each other. It's with all of us standing together like a godly garrison of celestial soldiers, empowered with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God in our lives. And we run Satan through and we run him off with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God in the private and in the public places of prayer. That's how you fight the battles. That's how you win. That's how you protect the power grid of the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace. In Jesus' name. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path. And God, we need to know you more. We need to have ears to your lips 
and, and we need to get to know the sword of the Spirit much better than most of us do, Father. Father, my prayer for, for the people here at New Promise Church is that they would be daily in your word, not just for the sake of going through it, but for the sake of life application and understanding so that they will be able to understand how powerful your word is in their lives and then they can share it with their kids and their grandkids and their friends and family members, neighbors, strangers, classmates, and coworkers. And Father, they'll be able to get the power of your spirit out through their lives into the lives of other people around them. Can you imagine, Lord Jesus, us standing as your godly garrison at attention with the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of readiness, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we are ready in a moment's notice when the battle rages in the heavenly realms in our lives in our loves, in our marriages, in our families, in our churches, in our companies, in our communities, in our country, Lord Jesus. May your church be ready, and may we protect the power grid of the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace in a moment's notice, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you. Okay, here's what's coming up next at New Promise Church. What I found is that a lot of conferences, it's a lot of empowerment. Rah, rah, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, which is great. But the problem is not all of us are in a place where we can do that yet because there's things that need to be dealt with, there are things that need to be healed, and there's things that need to be surrendered first. I want you to get a full grasp of the potential that God sees in you. Our value alone is placed by God. You were created with a divine and unique purpose and plan for your life. No one else can live out that purpose. No one else can fulfill that plan. Let God empower you to be the very best in this season while you still have dreams moving forward into the next. When we're faithful with the season we're in now is when God will start freeing us up and opening the doors to the next season. Sweeter Hodgins will be having a paint night this Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you would like to come, please sign up in the lobby. There will be options for a winter painting or a fall painting. Next Sunday is our Super Sunday celebration with an attitude of gratitude for God's blessings, enabling us to pay off the church mortgage in just 13 years. We'll honor five of our original elders and have plenty of pie after each morning service. Plus, stick around for a soup and chili fundraiser for Fusion Student Youth Missions Trip to Knoxville, Tennessee next summer after the second morning service. So please remember to bring a pie to share and money to donate to the Fusion Student Youth Missions Trip next Sunday with an attitude of gratitude for all of the great things that God is doing here at New Promise Church. We need 25 volunteers to make Santa Meets Jesus a success this year. If you haven't signed up, please do so either in the lobby or online. Today is the day. Please return your Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. Thank you for being here today at New Promise Church. Have a great and blessed week. Awesome. A lot of really great things coming up here at New Promise. 
Uh, make sure if you're going to sign up for the women's conference, please do so soon. Uh, tickets are $15. You can sign up online or out in the lobby. Uh, next week, really excited about next week, everybody. Uh, we're going to have lots of great food here. Uh, please remember to bring a pie. Uh, the youth is going to be doing a fundraiser, so make sure you come hungry. Uh, you're going to be sent home with soup, whether you want it or not. We are going to we're going to track you down. You're going to go home with some soup. Uh, and, and please, if you want to stay and watch the Browns beat up on Pastor Rory's Lions, uh, it's going to be a good time. We can root all together, uh, and that'll be great. Uh, but please, uh, next week, come hungry. Uh, we're going to be taking donations for the youth missions trip, which will be next year, and we're going to Tennessee. And all of the donations are going to go towards funding uh, students going on that trip. Uh, so thank you all for being here this morning. Let's close, let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, this amazing, amazing group of people who are here today. Uh, Lord, I, th I thank you for the hearts of everyone here. Lord, I pray that you move in all of us this week. Uh, as we go from this place uh, back to work, back to our jobs, back to school, uh, Lord, I pray that we can keep you focused in the center and Lord, I pray that we can, as a church, we can be unified together. And as we're, when we're not here at church, we can be out there bringing people to know you, bringing people to Jesus. Lord, I thank you and I praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for being here this morning. Have a wonderful, blessed week.